Dave this morning. Dave and Christelle have been such a blessing in Josh and I's life. They're great friends. They're also phenomenal ministers. Dave's a great preacher. And I know they've been a great blessing to this church over the years and going to be a great blessing this morning. So I'll hand you over the microphone now. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. How is everybody today? Now, in, my ch- in our church, we, I, I like to get loud. I like to get you shouting back at me. Because um, there, there we go. So I'm going to ask how everyone is today, and then you're going to sh- say good. All right? How is everyone today? Good. There we go. Because I tell you what, I, I, you know, I remember hearing this quote once, and uh, it was Chris Hodges. And he talks about church, and he says, you know what? Church should be a celebration. Who agrees? Come on, church should be a celebration. Everywhere we read, like, you know, Jesus' ministry and what he did, like he did things around meals when he talks about wedding and the feast and he talks about like the church as being a celebration. I just think sometimes when we get to church, we treat it like it's a funeral procession. We, you know, it's like we're, we're sucked lemons when we've come into church. But I tell you what, church should be this place of joy. Come on, church should be this place of celebration because when I think, why are we here? We're here because of Jesus, hey. You know, we're we're here and I think it's a great reminder that, you know, we've come to a point of salvation where Jesus has just set our worlds, he's basically turned our worlds upside down. And so when I think about church, man, I'm coming to celebrate the King of Kings. Come on, I'm coming to, to lift up the name that is name above every name. Because I tell you what, our world needs a message of hope. Come on, our world needs the church to actually rise up in this season where people are, uh, are speaking, you know, there's no hope for our future. The environment is doom and gloom. I tell you what, that's not what my Bible says. You know, when I read the Bible and I read about who Jesus is, Jesus is a person that brings hope. I know that my kids have a hope in the future because of what Jesus has done. I tell you what, church, we've got to be a church that turns the world upside down. You know, in Kalbara, um, if you would ask, you know, what our vision statement is, we've got something that's really fancy. But if I was to summarise what our vision statement is, it's to simply Man, we're going to turn this world upside down. Come on, we're going to turn this world upside down. Because when I read um, how the church was in Acts, you read the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit just ignited purposes. It ignited um, the cause of Christ become alive. We read how Peter got up and he preached you know, his first message. He didn't spend weeks preparing. The Holy Spirit just touched down on him. He preached this message. What was the result? 3,000 Men. That's, that's all it recorded was the men. So when we think about it, there would have been women and children. So we're talking, I reckon we're talking close to numbers of seven to 10,000 people that actually responded to the first message preached about Jesus on the day of Pentecost. And then we read, so we read the, the early church were walking in the exact same anointing that Jesus walked in. And Jesus said it, didn't he? He says, you know, greater things will you do than what you've seen me do. I think about it, I thought, I haven't walked on water yet. Cool party trick would be pray over some water. Hey guys, here's some wine, pray over some water. I haven't done that one yet either. But, but we see this church expressing who Jesus is. We see this church, it's not a weak church. It's not a quiet church. It was a church that was loud. It was a church that was courageous. It was a church that was bold. And then when we go on and read in Acts 17, we read that Peter and Silas have go to this community Guess what the accusation 
against Peter and Silas was. Oh, no. These men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And if we don't watch ourselves, these men are going to turn our world upside down too. The reputation of the early church was, we're going to turn this world upside down. And come on, come on highway. I believe that we're in a season where God is wanting you to turn the world upside down. You know, it's not just Josh and Sarah. Actually, God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. Wherever God has positioned us, whatever sphere of life, wherever we are, the Holy Spirit wants to ignite something so deep in our hearts and in our lives that we have the reputation of, we're going to turn the world upside down. Come on, church. Let's be countercultural. And I just, you know, as I was praying for this morning and, my, my, my sense for today was, you know, I believe that God wants to do something so significant. Come on, you've seen moves in the past. The Bible always talks about greater is a latter rain than the former rain. And I believe that, you know, with what God is wanting to do in this season is actually greater than the former God is wanting to do something new. He's wanting to do something fresh that the reputation of Highway Church will be, wow, this church is turning the world upside down. Come on, these people that go to Highway are changing businesses, they're changing schools, they're changing workplaces. We're seeing radical transformations across every generation. He actually wants to ignite something. And I believe that he's actually wanting to break through. Come on, who wants breakthrough? You know, I know you're believing for breakthrough as a church, but I tell you what, I just don't want to see breakthrough as a church. I need breakthrough for me as well. Come on. We need a breakthrough. We need God to move and this miracle. And I think one of the most challenging, um, there's a Bible verse where, so we're talking about being a church. We're talking about being a people that turn the world upside down. And I, I want that to be my reputation. Oh no, here comes Dave. What did I get called? A hipster? Here comes Dave. Well, everyone's told me to be more Christ-like, so I'm trying to take it literally. Just yeah. growing the beard out, the hair. And I reckon if Jesus was here, he'd definitely have a man bun now. So despite what Ronnie Rudder posts on Facebook, <laughs> Jesus is into man buns. Um, sorry, I was going to sidetrack them. Um, but Jesus, you know, we're, we're called to replicate what Jesus did, aren't we? And then one of the most, I guess the challenging verses is Jesus, he's, they're talking about his ministry. And in John, he says, you know what, guys? I only do what I see the Father doing. So everything we read about the ministry of Jesus, even everything we read about the ministry of the early church and Paul, they were replicating what they saw God do. And as I read that, I thought, wow, because we, we see Jesus' ministry transform the world. Like, you know, we're, we're still living in the, um, we're still reaping what Jesus has done today. And, and so Jesus' ministry transformed the world, as we know, literally turned the world upside down. But when we read about the ministry of Jesus, we read how he'd pour out, but then he would pull back. He would escape to this place where it was just him and God. He would escape to this place where he would go spirit to spirit with God, where God would not only recharge him, but as he was walking so closely with God, he would catch a glimpse at what God was doing. He'd catch a a whisper of what God was wanting to do, and then he'd take that and he'd replicate it here on earth. Jesus did say, come on, when you pray, pray that heaven's will 
be done on earth as it is in in heaven. So there is something for us as a church to capture something of what we are seeing God do and actually see it released here on earth. Come on, I want to see more of that in my family. I want to see more of that in my community. I want to see more of that wherever God placed me. I want to see heaven touch down. I want to see lives transform. And so the ch- like that's challenging because we want breakthrough, hey? You know, we, we're believing for breakthrough. We're believing for God to move significantly. You know, I want greater breakthrough in my life. I want greater breakthrough in my family. The church groundswell. When we want to see God not only reach Kalbari, we want to see God transform our entire region. And, and so, you know, we declare, we shout, we, we pray for breakthrough. But I wonder, is sometimes why we don't see the breakthrough is because we haven't done what Jesus did and escaped to that place where it's just us and God. We want the breakthrough, but we want the breakthrough without the relationship. We want the breakthrough without actually going to the mountain first. And who, who's read one of those um, Bible verses where it's just like God gives you a little, little slap? Has anyone read, you know, you've read something that's like God's given you a little bit of a wake-up call? Or is this just confessions of a pastor here that, guess what, guys, I'm not perfect God still corrects me and challenges me through the Bible. Well, in Psalm, I want you to turn with me. I think we've got it up here. Uh, Psalm 24, 3 to 6 was one of those moments for me. So, you know, as a church, we're, we're in this incredible season. We're in a season where we're, we're seeing like entire families come in and get saved. Start of the year, we had the privilege. We water baptised 16 people. And, um, and again, it was like mothers, it was kids, and we're just seeing God move in a really significant way. And not only that, we're actually in the process of setting our sights, beginning to plant a church in Nara as well. And so we're seeing God move in this incredible way. But we've also felt what God is wanting to break through. God actually wants to work on our relationship and wants us to go deeper with Him, deeper into the places with Him where we've never gone before. And so Psalm 24 Verse 3, and this is what it says. And this is David, and I love this verse because who's ever had a wrestle with God? Yeah, we, we wrestle with God at times, and that's okay. Like, there's this, there's this the, the thing I love about this verse is there's this wrestle within David. He's, he's in a point and a moment in his life where he desperately needs breakthrough, and the breakthrough's not there. And so he's wrestling with God, like, God, how do I get to that place of breakthrough? How do I, I, I get to that place where you are? And this is his wrestle, and I love it how he voices it. He says, Who then ascends into the presence of the Lord? And who has the privilege of entering into God's holy place? You know, who's had those moments where, God, where are you? Come on, we've had those, haven't we? God, where are you? Like, you're nowhere to be seen. How can I possibly be where you are? I feel like all of heaven, your voice is quiet. And this is what he comes up with, and similar to what Sarah hit on them. Those who are clean, whose works and ways are pure, whose hearts are true and sealed by the truth. Those who never deceive, whose words are unsure. They will receive the Lord's blessing and righteousness giving, given by the Saviour God. They will stand before God, for they will seek the pleasure of God's face, the God of Jacob. 
pause in his presence. And then he goes on, he says, you know, be lifted up. We've heard this verse before. Be lifted up, O you ancient gates. Be lifted up, you ancient of doors, so he, the king of glory, may come through. Who is this king of glory? He is the Lord mighty, strong in battle. And I think sometimes we go straight to that side of the verse. We say, come on, God, I'm declaring that these ancient doors are being lifted up. I'm declaring that these mountains that are standing before me, I'm going to speak to these mountains. I'm going to declare that these mountains are going to be gone. Who's done that? And then they don't move. And you're like, maybe I didn't shout loud enough. And then we go, you know, we get our tongues out. We're shouting. We're declaring at these mountains. We're declaring that these doors being opened up. And guess what? They still don't move. And then we get discouraged. Then we let unbelief begin to settle in out. God, I've tried that before and it didn't work. And I can't help but think, is it because we didn't do this first part that David said? We didn't have that wrestle with God. God, you're up here on this mountain. God, I'm going to do whatever it takes to climb to this mountain to get a fresh revelation of who you are. Because I, I tell you what, when we climb the mountain, when we go to the place where it's us and God, we begin to see what the Father is doing. We begin to hear what God is, is speaking. And then there's an authority, there's a view that we begin to look down at our place of breakthrough. And then we begin to speak. We're not speaking on our own strength. We're speaking with the authority of God backing us because we are standing on the mountain with God. And then we see those ancient gates. Those mountains move. Come on, who wants to move some mountains today? Come on, who wants to move some mountains in this season? I really believe that this morning, um, two things. That one, God actually wants us to speak some things out. God actually wants us to begin speaking to some mountains, speaking some ancient gates, speaking to some things that are, are blocking us personally, but as a church. But first, I really believe that God actually wants us to go to a place again where it's just us and Him. And so, when I, um, if I've got a title, my title for my message this morning is, What's Your Excuse? Turn to the person next to you and say, What's Your Excuse? All right, now give them a rub on their leg. No, don't be weird. We're not, we're not one of those weird churches. You know, when I think about it, you know, oh, and just to unpack that, so... I, David says, who may go to the holy hill of the Lord? He has clean hands and a pure heart. And when I read that, and I thought, far out, God. I'm a sinner. How do I be clean? How do I be pure? I'm never going to get to that place because I'm, I, I miss the mark every single day. I know another confession of a pastor right there. But what David means, and, and so, you know, our hands represents our physical, our heart represents our inner and what he's actually saying in that is you know who may go to the place where God is is he's whose actions so whose hands and he's whose heart and thoughts are actually turned towards God so he's whose actions I'm actively walking towards a place where you are God and whose thoughts and hearts God you're on my heart you're on my mind my heart and my mind are turned towards you it's those who have their hearts and hands turned towards heaven, towards God, will actually climb to the place where God is. And so as I was thinking about it, I, I thought, you know, I want the breakthrough, but sometimes it's not easy going to the place where God is, hey? Come on, when you think about it, sometimes it's inconvenient. 
Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I'm tired. Sometimes I just want God, just wave your God wand. Just remove my blockages and let's be done with it. But God actually goes, come on, no, I want this out of relationship. I, I, I want you to come to this place where I am. And then as I was thinking about that, that, you know, we live in a culture of excuses, don't we? You know, for example, I, I won't name a certain child of mine who may be eight. And, you know, yesterday I was asking him to put on his shoes. About an hour later, I was still asking him to put on his shoes. And he came up with every excuse why he hadn't put on his shoes. And I was pretty stoked about it, as you can imagine. And then when I thought about, you know, we live in a culture of excuses. You know, we, we always come up with excuses why I'm late. We always come up with excuses why I can't do something. And then when I thought about, you know what, even in our own walk with God, we come up with excuses why I cannot, why I can't go to the place where you are, God. And I tell you what, the power of the excuse will actually keep us out of purpose. The power of excuse will actually keep us in a place of complacency and not be those world changes that God is rising up. We're not going to turn the world upside down when we're holding on to the power of excuse. And so this morning, I actually want to, you know, go a little bit deeper. I want to unpack, I guess, some of even the excuses that I've used in the past on why I shouldn't do this, God. And, um, and may as we talk, like, talk around these excuses, and they're actually in the Bible, may the power of them actually be broken over our life, and may there be nothing holding us back from stepping in with God in this season and actually seeing the breakthrough that we need. Come on, who's with me this morning? All right, so the first one, and say it with me, the excuse of? All right, let's try that again. Two of you are listening. The excuse of? Inconvenience. Oh, who's had that one before? I've definitely had that one before. So let's have a look in Matthew Chapter 8, and we're going to go 19 to 20. And this is an interesting um, chunk of Scripture here because we're reading about Jesus' ministry. We're reading about Jesus transforming the world and people are flocking to Jesus. And then... In, this, um, in, the, in these next couple of scriptures that I'm going to read, we actually had people approaching Jesus saying, Lord, I want to follow you. I believe in your ministry. I believe in who you are. I'm going to come and I'm going to follow you right now. And so the interesting thing is with these excuses, Jesus wasn't dragging these people along. Jesus didn't, wasn't like Peter in that, well, come on, come and follow me. I'll make you fisher of men. These were people who responded to Jesus saying, I'm going I'm to chase after you. I'm going to follow after you. And then when Jesus says, all right, come and follow after me, we actually see some excuses that kept them out of walking with Jesus. And so Matthew chapter 8, 19 to 20. Just then, a religious scholar approached him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Who's prayed a bold prayer like that before and then regretted it straight away? Why did I say that? 
Because just like this, Jesus calls him out on that. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no true home in this world. And then that's all we read of this man. He doesn't follow after Jesus. And so there's this excuse of inconvenience. And what we see happening here was Jesus is painting the picture on what it's going to look like. You know, I don't know where I'm going to sleep most nights. I don't know where, I'm just going to go wherever God leads me. Sorry, I don't have an itinerary planned out for you. See, Jesus is my type of leader. I'm not a detailed person. The, the guys that are detailed in our church will tell you, I frustrate them onto no end because my administration skills are pretty awesome. And Chriselle's got my same giftings in that. And so I love Jesus because Jesus doesn't have this itinerary. He doesn't have his hours planned. He's just like, yeah, come on, wherever God leads, I'm going to go. That's my type of leader just there. And, and, and so, you know, what had happened was this man goes, Jesus, I want to follow after you, but I want to know the plan. Come on, I want to know where we are, what we're doing. I want to know where my next meal is going to come from. Jesus, how are you going to provide for me in this season? And, and so he goes, Jesus, I'm going to follow after you, but with conditions. I'm going to attach a whole heap of strings to follow you. And I love that because Jesus goes, no, come on. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and the rest will follow. Come after me and... Let's just see what happens. And, um, and, and so quite often, Jesus was coming out. Like we think, oh, that's a bit. You should say, yeah, come after me and then disciple him a bit more, Jesus. But you know what? Jesus looked at the heart and he's like, you know, you saying you follow me is only conditional. It's on your terms and not on my terms. And, um, you know, you pray those stupid prayers sometimes. You know, a couple of years ago, I was just in my really crazy, bold moment. God, I want to know more of you. Who's prayed that prayer before? God, I want to be in the place. You know, Moses was up on the mountain and I was getting a little bit courageous in my prayer. And then after I prayed, God, I will do anything. And then as soon as I prayed those words, I was just trying to catch them. Come back, come back. Don't. Why did you pray that for? Because I know he's going to call me out on it. And then sure enough, he did. He goes, all right, David, that's great. I went, yeah, I think that was a great prayer too, Jesus. Thank you. He goes, what I want you to do is I want you to get up at 5 a.m. I went, what? You mean 5 p.m.? I can do that. I can do 5 p.m. That's great. And he's like, no, I want you to start getting up early every morning at 5 a.m. I'm like, what? God, you know I'm not a morning person. You know what it's like with kids? Like, how about we do... Why don't we do, you know, 8 a.m.? No, I can skip work. Let's do 9 a.m. I'm fine with that. I was telling my boss, Jesus said. I'm sure that would be a great excuse for my boss. Anyway, and I was wrestling with God. Did you really? Because I'll tell you what, 5 a.m. is not convenient for me. Who thinks 5 a.m. is a convenient time? When my kids are up at 5, yeah, the morning people are. When my kids are up at 5 a.m., I'm like, you go back to bed. This is not God's time. You stay in your room till you see that sun come up. And so it's not convenient for me. And so anyway, you know, full of faith and boldness, so I get up at 5am and I sit in my car like this, put worship CD in on. It was winter, so I had my dressing gown on in the car. Just sat like that for about an hour. And there, you had your time. Oh, confessions of a pastor, okay? All right? 
It's okay to have these wrestles and these moments with God. The next, and I kept doing it. But then I began to pray. I began to engage in the Spirit. I began to journal. And I began to step into a place of relationship with God where I'd never stepped or entered into before. And then I just think of so much of what we are beginning to walk in was because of those places where I went in the private, those places where I pushed through the inconvenience of my time, the inconvenience of you know, me waking up and stepping into the place where it's just me and God and letting God move and speak. Actually, the fruit of that was breakthrough. The fruit of that was a deeper relationship and understanding of God. And I just can't help but think, you know, what are some of the things that God's asking you to push aside in this season? And what are the things that are going to inconvenience you to step into a place deeper with God? So the next excuse, and say it with me, the excuse of not being ready. And the amount of times that we've tried to use this excuse as well, hey. Okay, verse 21 says, and I think this one's harsh. Like, I feel like this is a good, good reason. Then another man spoke up and said, Lord, I will follow you, but first I must take care of my aged father and bury him when he dies. Who thinks that's a reasonable reason? Come on. I think, yeah, that's, that's fair enough. But Jesus said to him, now is the time to follow me and let those who are dead bury the dead. I just think, far out, Jesus. Like, you could have put it a little bit nicer. Like, I, I find that being harsh. But again, like Jesus' response was, he was looking at the heart. And again, this man saying, you know, Jesus, I want to follow you, but I'm not ready yet. I need to sort these things out. And so what we are seeing is a trust issue. We're seeing that, you know, I want to follow you, Jesus, but I need to take care of my affairs rather than, all right, I'm going to seek first you. I'm going to follow you. And I'm just going to believe that you're going to help look after my family. I'm going to believe that, you know, I might not feel ready. I might not feel like I have all the affairs sorted in my own life, but I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to follow you and watch what you do in me. Rather, he's like, you know, let me line everything up. Let me sort all my affairs. Then I will follow you. And I just think, man, how many times have we used that excuse? God, I'm not ready. You know, when we got sent out, we've been in Colborough now for almost seven years and uh, it's gone really quick. And I tell you what, if Chriselle and I felt ready when we got sent out, if we would have said to Mark and Liz, oh, we don't feel quite ready yet, I think we'd still be here. Because we didn't feel ready. I felt like, you're giving me a church? What are you thinking, guys? Like, this is crazy. But I tell you what, when we respond, that's when God moves. He says to Paul, you know, in your weaknesses, my power is made whole. In your weaknesses, my power can actually be displayed. You know, God wants us to respond. Come on, come to the mountain. God, I'm, I don't feel like I'm ready yet. No, come anyway. Come on, come as you are. We will sort the stuff out as you go. And I love that about God, hey. He sorts you out as you go. We're not perfect. And when I think about, you know what? The Bible is full of people who try to use the excuse, I'm not quite ready yet. Gideon, classic example. God says to him, rise up, you mighty men of valor. I'm going to use you to deliver a generation. What was Gideon's response? It was like, yeah, come on, God, let's go and do this. It's like, me? God, you've, you, you're delusional. 
You've definitely got the wrong person here. I'm down here hiding because I'm scared of these guys, but God called him out. He wasn't ready, but God called him out. Esther, again, a deliverer for a nation. Mordecai goes to her and says, you know what? You need to speak to the king. You need to go to the king. And she's like, I don't have that favour with the king yet. I am not ready to do this yet. She took a step of faith. She took a step of boldness. You know what? If I die, I die, but I will see the king. And what do we see that happens? An entire nation was saved. Come on. Come on, could it be that God is wanting to do something so significant, that God is wanting to do something so large in breakthrough and all He's wanting to say, come on, come now. And you just, all you need to say is, all right, I'm going to follow you. I don't know what this looks like. I don't feel like I've got it all together. There are issues going on. I'm still struggling with my thoughts, but I'm going to follow you anyway. Who knows what God is going to do? Come on, I believe the greatest testimonies are still to be written in this season. And how easy is it for us to, just quickly as I finish up on that point, it's so easy for us to focus on the excuses of why God shouldn't use us. Hey, like the amount of times I've said, God, you should use this person there. You know, they've read the Bible like six more times than me. Like it's easy to fall into that excuse, no, use them, not me. No, you actually want that person, you don't want me. Because we keep looking back at our past. We keep looking back at our failings in past seasons. We keep looking at our insecurities. But I tell you what I love about God is our future isn't defined by our past. He uses those things to be our greatest testimonies and some of our greatest strengths. All we need to say, okay, I will follow. I will follow. I'm going to seek first the kingdom. And then quickly, the last point. And say it with me, the excuse of... All right, let's try that again. The excuse of fear. Fear. So Mark 10, 21 to 22 says, So we have a rich young ruler who has come to Jesus. And again, I'm going to follow you. I do all of this good stuff for the community. You know, what else? He's kind of like, you know, really proud. He goes, what else do I need to do? This is what Jesus says. And I love how the Passion words it. It says, Jesus fixed his gaze upon the man with tender love and said to him, Yet there is still one thing in you lacking. Go and sell all that you have and give the money to the poor. Then all your treasure will be in heaven. After you've done this, come back and walk with me. I'd find that pretty hard to do as well. Completely shocked by Jesus' answer, he turned and walked away very sad, for he was extremely rich. Again, Jesus looks at the heart. He's like, you know, your riches, it's an idol in your life. You're actually putting this thing before me. And I can't help but think is sometimes, why, why don't we, I ask myself sometimes, why does it take me sometimes so long to go to the place where God is? Because of my excuses, you know, God, this is inconvenient. I don't feel like going. The excuse is, oh, God, I'm having a pretty messy season. You don't want me right now. But I find this one is another excuse that sometimes keeps me off the mountain. Is this excuse of fear. God, if I go to the place where you are, what do you want from me? 
Come on, what are you going to require of me in this season? I don't know if I have anything more to give. You know, there, there is something that is happy. There is something going on in my life. But God, if you ask me to lay that one thing down, I don't know if I can give that. I don't know if I can lay that down. And I just think there's this fear that God only wants what's bad for us. There's this fear that God wants us to go without. God wants us to walk in lack. God wants us to walk in poverty, not in joy, not in fullness, not in blessing. And I tell you what, the enemy uses that fear to keep us off the mountain. God, I don't know if I can pay the price this time. I don't know if I can seek first the kingdom of God. I don't know if I have the faith to believe that you're going to provide you know, every, my every need. And a couple of years ago, no, about a year ago now, well, we really felt God begin to speak. And so, you know, I'm three days with the church and I was working two days at our Anglican and really felt challenged from God to actually a step of faith was to lay down my job and follow what He was wanting to do, what He was wanting to build in Kalbara and what He was wanting to build in Nara. And we wrestled with that. I'm like, God, i got a mortgage. God, our kids go to NAC. How, how am I going to afford that? Like, the sums didn't add up, did it? And there was a fear. I'm like, oh, we've wrestled with it for so long. God, I don't know. That's not God. And but he kept confirming it. And then we got to the place where, like, okay, God, if this is what you were wanting to do, then for us and our family, our passion in our heart is to seek first the kingdom of heaven. To us, that is more important than what anything else that we do in this life. And so we took a step of faith and, all right, I tell you what, I was fearful. And if I was to say that money was just rocking up and the church thrived financially, I tell you what, finances dropped within the church. We were struggling financially to the point where, did we really make the right decision? But I tell you what, in that time, we were seeing salvations. In that time, we were seeing people um, coming to the kingdom. In that time, we were seeing those that we'd been discipling rising up. In that time, we saw God begin birthing stuff and open doors into Nara. And then as we just pushed through the pressure and as we pushed through the fear and kept, come on, God, you've got to do this. You've got to, I'm going to sink any moment now. Like Peter, I'm trying to walk on water with you. I feel like you're kind of dragging me along at the moment. I feel like I'm about to sink and be swallowed up and die in this. Chriselle will tell you I was awesome at some of this stage. But then God moved and we just saw this amazing blessing across every area. Don't let fear keep us out of the call. Do not let fear keep you out of the breakthrough. Who may ascend to the holy hill of the Lord? Come on. Who may go to the place where God is? Who may go to that place where we've got a bird's eye view of the breakthrough? I tell you what, you know, breakthrough requires faith. Breakthrough requires, you know, what, what, what is faith? Faith is the ability to see what God is. Hebrews 11.1, 1, uh, faith is a substance of all things hoped for, evidence of the things not seen. And so if we are to believe and declare the breakthrough, we've first got to see it. And then when we see it, we've got to believe it. And as we see the breakthrough, it produces hope. And I tell you what, hope is so powerful. How do we see it? It's when we go to the place where He is. Who may ascend to the holy hill of the Lord? He whose hearts, mind and actions 
I turn towards Him. Let's just get every eye closed. If you feel comfortable, just stand with me now. I'm going to pray. I want to do a couple of things this morning. You know, I just believe that God is calling us deeper this morning. The thing I love about God is relational. I love the picture in Genesis where God created Adam and Eve. And it's only a short verse, but it says, you know, it's Adam walked with God in the cool of the Garden of Eden. And so there's this picture, our original our design Our original reason being created was to walk in relationship with God. God is relational. And Jesus, I tell you what, Jesus restored that relationship. He's like, come on, come deeper. Come on, come to the place where you are. But the amount of times that we've used excuses to keep us out of purpose, the amount of times that we've used excuses You know, I think there's more excuses, but the excuse of inconvenience, the excuse of not being ready, and the excuse of fear, we've used those excuses to keep us out of where God wants us. I just feel like this morning that God is actually wanting to break those lies. The lies that you're not good enough. The lies that God is just demanding. The lies that this is going to cost more than you can pay. I just believe this morning that God is drawing us deeper. He's wanting to draw us closer, just with every eye closed. If that is you this morning, that you're like, yeah, I want to be like David. I want to be that person that climbs to the holy hill of the Lord, but I'm using excuses. I just want you to quickly raise your hands. We're actually just going to pray a prayer of repentance. We're actually going to just come before God and go, God, you know, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've ignored you. I'm sorry that I've ignored your presence. God, I don't want this this season to be a season of distance, but I want this season to be a season of closeness because I'm desperate for a miracle. Come on, I'm desperate for a breakthrough and I'm not going to use the excuse, the power of the excuse to hold me back. So Father God, we just come before you this morning and we thank you that you're a God that redeems. We thank you that you're a God that restores. We thank you that you're a God that draws us in, that you're a God that empowers us. You're a God that gives us hope. And so God, we just come before you now and we just repent. We come before you now and we we begin to repent of the seasons of doubt. We begin to repent of the seasons where we haven't walked where you're walking, that we've shied away from the mountain of where you are. And so, God, we just lay those down now. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that every lie, every whisper of excuse would be broken in the name of Jesus, where there's been confusion, where there's been heaviness. We just pray right now that those things would be broken in Jesus' name and that this would be a season where we would draw, we would walk with you like we've never walked with you before. In Jesus' name, amen. And I want to finish off now with the last part of Psalm. And this is where I want us to begin to get a little bit vocal. You know, I believe that there's some declarations that are to be made. Hey, come on, who needs some mountains moved in your life? Who needs some ancient doors? You know, things that have been blocking you for a while. Who needs some things to be removed in this season? Come on. 
Come on, I need some things to be removed. I'm still believing for breakthrough. I'm definitely not at the place. I think if I was, I'd already be in heaven. You know, there are still things to be done. There's still ground to be taken. There are still some ancient doors to be lifted. David finishes off. He's in that place with God where we've been, where we are. And then he says, So wake up. You living gateways, lift up your heads, you ageless doors of destinies. Welcome the King of glory, for He is about to come through you. Come on, can you hear the sound of breakthrough? You see, breakthrough has a sound. Breakthrough has a voice. Breakthrough is not quiet. It is a declaration. Come on, the King of glory, the God of breakthrough, Valperizim, is about to come through. You ask, who is this King? The Lord armed and ready for battle. The mighty one, ready, get this, invincible in every way. So wake up, you living gateways, and rejoice. Fling wide, you ageless doors of destiny. Here He comes, the King of glory is ready to come in. You ask, who is this King of glory? Now ready, I want you to get this into your spirit. He is the Lord of victory, armed and ready for battle. He is the mighty one, the invincible commander of heaven host. Yes, He is the King of glory. Come on, we're just going to speak to some things now. Let's just get, if you feel comfortable, I want you to uh, lift your hands up in this place. We're going to get... A little bit vocal. Come on, what are the areas? What are the mountains that you need to be removed in this season? We thank You that Jesus, that Your name is a name above every other name. We thank You, Jesus, that in Your name is life. In Your name is salvation. That Jesus, You are the Alpha, Omega. You are the first and the last. And I thank You that God, that one of Your names is Baal-perizim, the God of breakthrough. And we just declare that this is not a season of oppression. We declare that this is not a season of excuse. But we declare, we begin to Speak it out now that this is a season of breakthrough. I pray for every single person here that we would see personal breakthrough. We would see community breakthrough. We declare that Highway Church would see significant breakthrough in this season. And so we begin to speak to those mountains now. We speak to the mountains of doubt. We speak to the mountains of discouragement. We speak to the mountains of fear. We speak to the mountains of inconvenience. And we say, be removed now in the Name of Jesus. And we declare that this is a season where God will move in a way we've never seen Him move before. And I pray, come on, lift your hands. I just believe the Holy Spirit is going to ignite something in you. That, that, that the Word of God, that, that His presence, it would be like a fire in your bones and you will not contain. I just pray now, Holy Spirit, that You would just ignite a generation of Christians that will turn the world upside down. I pray right now, the Holy Spirit, You begin to ignite a generation that would see ancient doors broken down, that would see generations transform, that will see darkness break and see a new light of hope Rise up. So we just declare now, Holy Spirit, I pray that You move, move in us afresh this season. You know, I heard a sermon from Carl Lentz and he talked about, we've actually got to stop asking the Holy Spirit to come. We've got to stop praying that prayer because I tell you, the Holy Spirit's already here. He's already in us. You know, I can't even help but think we've got to stop asking the Holy Spirit to produce freedom because the Bible says that, uh, Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, doesn't it? And so if the Holy Spirit is already in us, that means that wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if the Holy Spirit is living in me, then 
I don't need the pastors to pray for me. I can find and encounter freedom every single day because the same Spirit that wrote Jesus Christ up from the dead is here in me. But he says, we got to stop praying. Come on, come, Holy Spirit. He's actually, he says, come on, we got to start praying. Holy Spirit, position me to move where God is moving. Come on, come on. We've got to pray that prayer. Holy Spirit, position me because I want to move where God is moving. I don't want to do it on my own. I'm sick of asking you to come. You're already here. So position me in this season to move where God is moving. So we pray right now that Holy Spirit, that this would be a season of positioning. This would be a season where you would position us to move where God is moving. In Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Wow, how good was that? Let's give Dave a hand. And I think we'll just jump straight into a song. We're going to worship. And I just think God's going to seal that incredible deposit of the Holy Spirit, the Word in us as we sing. Thanks, Ryan.